and welcome back to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks, a very exciting show we have for you today, doing a little bit of a different deep dive session. I have invited Susanna. She runs the very popular Instagram account, Bachelor Data. Um, and we are just going to break down screen time, kisses, roses, everything you need to know about The Bachelorette. Like I've said a million times on the podcast before, it has been a doozy of a season. So no spoilers, but it'll just be interesting to see how things are kind of playing out from an analytical point of view. Um, Just data trends, if you will. It's going to be really super fun. We're also going to do a wellness check on Kim and Pete, who will only be referred to as Keith for the rest of the episode. If you know, you know, if not get with it. I so badly also want to discuss Love Island UK, but I'm so far behind. You have no idea, even though I'm hundred percent spoiled. Here's my issue with Love Island UK. It is top tier television. I mean, just unreal reality TV show. The issue is I have no self-control in following these people on Instagram. And because I'm in the US of A, we get it two weeks late. So literally yesterday I'm on Instagram, I open it up and ta-da, here's your winners. And I'm like, wow, you're mugging me off, mate. I still have two weeks left. Okay. That is my British accent for the day. I think I do like one one a pod. But anyways, maybe once David and I are done with it, because yes, he enjoys it just as much as I do. I'll have him on the pod and we'll discuss it. So you guys have some time to catch up as well. He's leaving in one month. You guys, I'm so sad. Uh, And he still hasn't been a guest on the podcast. That is going to have to change. Oh my God. Wait, I just saw this. I have to read this to you before I start because David and I, we were doing a very deep clean here in my studio office. I'm getting a new studio set up because I want to look profesh. I got the little purple MPT lights. We've just been setting everything up. Honestly, it's been a nightmare, but I did find some fun things while cleaning out the closet, um, including this letter I wrote myself. I think I was in eighth grade. It's June 7th, 2007. Okay. First of all, I filled out the paper in MPT purple, if that tells you anything. And listen to this. I'm just going to read one of the answers I got. This is like a little time capsule, it says. Okay, this is so funny. Okay. Uh, okay. Keep in mind, it's 2007 in this, in this letter. It says, in the world 2011, I think it will be dot, dot, dot. Okay. So it says, I think the world in 2007 will be, this is how I answer, crazy celeb crazed drugs type of thing for me a year of opportunity (laughs) i mean how spot on is that crazy celeb crazed drugs a year of opportunity pretty much just summed up my mpt career the past two years and it was in purple so if that ain't the lord i'm telling you the truth okay let's get into our pop three these are the biggest headlines from the week Coming in first, we had two Bachelor engagements this week. One got a lot of press. One did not. So we'll start with the one that sadly did not get as much press. Bennett Jordan, who was on Tasha's season of The Bachelorette, got engaged to a yoga teacher named Emily Chen on June 30th, and they made the announcement on Instagram on August 1st. First, no People Magazine cover 
for for Benny J, but our girl Maddie Pruitt, she was all up over that People magazine. Maddie was on pilot Peter season. Clearly did not end well. We all have PTSD from that season of The Bachelor. So now, obviously, I got all the information from people because they got the exclusive with all these photos. So it says, on Sunday evening, the former Bachelor contestant got engaged to her boyfriend, Grant Trout. The relationship milestone comes eight months after their love story began. It also occurred a few days before the pair's nine-month anniversary. The very next sentence in the article says, Pruitt, quote, had no idea the proposal was coming. Girl, who are you trying to kid? She was in a white dress on a beach with People Magazine ready to snap the cover photo. White nails. I mean, did what she had to do to secure the bag. And, oh, she secured the bag because his dad's a billionaire. We'll get to that minor detail in a second. But there is a reason why she was dressed the way that she was. So Maddie said, I thought we were celebrating one of our friend's birthdays. I was told we were taking pictures on the beach. And when I came down, my best friend led me into the bathroom where my mom and sisters were with the dress I wanted to get engaged in. So at that point, she knew because like if your mom and sister just show up in the bathroom and they're like, surprise, look what I got. Look at here. You want to change? Like surely she knows what's going to happen. Oh, I probably should have scrolled down on the article. <laughs> Literally the very next sentence says, in that moment, I knew. <laughs> LOL. Okay. So her fiance, Grant Trout, he is a 26-year-old speaker and minister to athletes and churches. His father is billionaire, yes, with a B, billionaire Kenny Trout, founder of long-distance phone company Excel Communications. He took the company public in 1996 and later sold it to Teleglobe in a $3.5 billion deal in 1998 per Forbes. He reinvested the profits in stocks, bonds, and horses. Furthermore, he's the owner of Windstar Farm in Versailles, Kentucky. That's where Jackson Brittany got married. I just remembered that. The company is known for its outstanding breeding of thoroughbreds, including a Kentucky, a Kentucky, why can I say Kentucky? Kentucky Derby winner. Unlike Pilot Peter, I think that Maddie and Grant are a perfect match. I mean, they're both identical in their faith, in the way they live their lives, and their morals and beliefs in what they want to do with their life. Um, look, we hated on Mama Barb for a long time, but she was right all along. Could you imagine Pilot Peter and Maddie? No. Absolutely not. Here's the thing. I just don't understand the, the need for the People Magazine cover. You're marrying a billionaire. <laughs> a bit up, a literal billionaire, but you're worried about the cover of People Magazine. And like, on the other hand, I try not to be so judgmental because if I was able to get paid for every little thing that I did in my life, I would do it. But I'm also not marrying a billionaire. No offense to David. I love him. Regardless 
of him not being a billionaire. Okay, headline number two. Taylor Armstrong is headed to the Real Housewives of Orange County. She is making history on the Housewives franchises, the first franchise move. She was an OG on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and now will be on season 17 of Orange County. At first, I was like, wow, that is a big deal. Until we read the fine print. She's really a friend of on the show. I'm like, really? They made all this. I don't know why I want to say hubba baloo, but that's the word that came to my mind. They made all this hubba baloo about Taylor Armstrong joining the Real Housewives of Orange County, and she's not even a full-time cast member. What's that about? I mean, Taylor was also just on Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip with Tamra, who was also asked back, and the two were chatting on Twitter, and this is hilarious. So Tamra tweeted, not only am I returning to RHOC for season 17, but my girl Taylor Armstrong is joining me along for the ride. Double the trouble coming your way. Okay, that was Tamara's tweet. Taylor quote tweets it and says, here we go with the peach emoji. The peach emoji. We're not in Atlanta, Tay. It's an orange. I know that they both are orange. But one of these things is not like the other. That right there is why she's a friend of. is because she doesn't know the difference between a peach and an orange. Our third and final headline this week in the pop three, Katie and Tom of Vanderpump Rules was seen fighting in what is now a video gone viral. So there is this video circulating online of Tom Schwartz and Katie Maloney arguing about something. Well, we have some context behind what they were arguing about now. Let me set the scene for you. The video there, it looks like they're in Schwartz and Sandy's. It's very dark. They're in a booth. Um, you just you see Schwartz's back and you see Katie's face. And Katie is definitely has a look of distress on her face. She seems upset. Her and Tom are going back and forth. Um, so I listened to Katie's latest podcast episode, which came out last Friday. And she was talking about how bad she was struggling. And that was at the end of that week when that video came out. She said that she was thrown, quote, a curveball, that she cried for 72 hours straight and was doing mental gymnastics. Mental gymnastics is such a Vanderpump Rules, like, quote. What else is a what else is a classic Vanderpump Rules quote? Um, I've been very judicious about my drinking. That one always sticks out to me. I mean, I'm not sure what I've done to you, but I'll take a Pinot Grigio. Obviously, these are all just things that live rent free in my brain. Anyway, so clearly she was very upset. Um, the rumor through all the blogs was that they were fighting about Tom potentially flirting with another woman. The confrontation was about another woman. As you know, they're all going through um, a divorce. The intricacies of what they are fighting on TBD, but it's something about another woman. But after listening to Katie's podcast episode, I 1000% believe that's what it was about because at the very end, she says something like, People around me were surprised that I was upset because I seem fine. I mean, she is having the hottest hot girl summer. Have you seen her lately? She, she's always been beautiful, but she looks like she 
is just walking around like she owns the place. And at this point, I'm convinced that she does. Um, she never says who she's talking about, but I definitely think that it's Tom because then she goes on to say, like, you can be fine in one moment and still have feelings that come up that make you upset. You can be moving forward with life and still have bad days. Cameras were there all up in it. So I'm excited to see it, which is terrible. It's terrible to say that. But Vanderpump Rules is really what got me into the Bravo sphere. And this is our first divorce. So I'm ready for it. All right, it is time for the deep dive. Now, normally every single week on my Instagram at Morgan P Talks, I open up the floodgates for you, my lovely sisters, to maybe ask me what you want to know more about. I get the shovel out. I do the digging. This week, I wanted to do something a little bit different, A, because I feel like the news cycle has been painfully boring and there hasn't really been anything that I needed you know, like questions answered to and B bachelor data on Instagram is like riveting content that you would never think to look at it. But when you do, and we're going to say hi to Susanna here in a second, but she analyzes every little thing about the bachelor. And I think it's really cool to see her work and then where it leads in the show when it comes to, um, winners and, and character arcs and maybe people who will be on paradise. It's all very interesting. So please welcome Susanna from bachelor data. Susanna, welcome to MPT this week. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. We are in the thick of bachelor season and your Instagram has just really taken off. You run an account called bachelor data and you analyze every little detail about The Bachelor. And it's something that I feel like was a little bit ahead of its time. Nobody was doing what you were doing. But now that you are, it's super intriguing. And people are discussing things like Instagram follower account and, you know, guys screen time and what that means for them in the long run. How did you get started with this Instagram page? Oh, my gosh, it's it's the most embarrassing story. I lied on my resume for a job. And I said I was proficient in Excel and I was not. I mean, if, if anybody here has any knowledge on Excel, the only thing I knew how to do was equals sum and then drag some cells. And I was like, oh, I know how to use Excel. Lo and behold, I did not know how to use Excel. Um, so I, at the time I had applied and gotten this job as a K-12 tech director for an entire school district. And I did not know how to use Excel at all. So I had to learn and I did not want to learn with student testing data because it is so boring. Hmm. So I started tracking data on Instagram followers for Colton Underwood season of The Bachelor. So this was December 2018, just a few weeks before the season started. And I started posting all of my findings on The Bachelor subreddit. And I was literally just posting screenshots of my Excel spreadsheet and then started to learn some data visualization from there. And then after the pandemic kind of settled in, I started my Instagram account. And I mean, it's just taken off. You have over 115,000 followers. You're analyzing literally everything. So that's what we're going to do today because like we have been saying from the beginning, I mean, I know we're only four episodes in, but different season this year, it's two bachelorettes. And one thing I find really interesting that you do on your pain 
on your page is compare the screen time between the two because we know everybody's already saying they're pitting Gabby and Rachel against each other. Um, so I was wondering, and I know you've done videos on this, who has had more screen time between Gabby and Rachel? Do you think that they are favoring one bachelorette over the other? Rachel, a thousand percent. There's been three episodes now out of the four that she's had more screen time than Gabby. And I think it makes sense, right? They're really pushing the storyline of her feeling unworthy. And like the production really isn't helping her either by keeping guys there that are not into her. Like mm -hmm. that, that horrible rose ceremony that they set up of her being denied. I had that, that rose ceremony was a little sketchy with the numbers, but you know, clearly they're building up this storyline, which is hard to watch now. But thinking about it from the production's perspective, clearly they're trying to do this like hero storyline of making us feel a lot of empathy for her. It's it's just really hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. And I've noticed just on the episodes that they kind of take turns for lack of a better, you know, way to describe it, having traumatic moments. Um, you know, like in episode three was when Gabby started to show her insecurities about her relationship with her mother. And then we get into episode four and it's all about how Rachel is feeling, you know, rejected by the men. Have you noticed those patterns? Are they going back and forth week to week? No. <laughs> I mean, it, it is going back and forth week to week. It seems like some weeks are a little bit more Gabby heavy, mm -hmm. um, but it's really just revolving around Rachel. And I think Rachel's storyline is one that people, um, you know, I like there's the, the whole like no publicity is bad publicity philosophy. Um, you know, I think production knows and clearly Gabby and Rachel know because they're addressing this in interviews like this is hard to watch and it's getting people to talk about the show. Right. So um, I think that they're well aware of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really heavy, heavily favoring Rachel right now um, with the story arcs, with the contestants. I mean, just the, even the contestant screen time week to week has been heavily favored in Rachel's men as well. Yeah, I feel like it's already pretty clear who Rachel's front runners are. And we'll get to this in a second. Um, and I think there are a few things front runners that are pretty obvious for Gabby, but definitely not as noticeable as Rachel. But you just mentioned something that I had on my notes, so we could just go ahead and get into it now. The math behind that one rose ceremony where, you know, Rachel got three roses rejected. We were all kind of confused by how that panned out. What did you notice when you were analyzing it in the episode? Yeah. So I, whenever I'm watching the episode live, I have this spreadsheet that I use every week where I keep track of who got the date roses and I have it set up perfectly so I can see, you know, the order of the roses that were given out. So I can figure out at the end of the episode who was eliminated. Like that's the whole goal of keeping track of it because they typically don't show the men, all of the men who are eliminated every week, right. um, especially early on. So I was keeping track of it. And then next year I was just writing Rachel, Gabby, Rachel, Gabby, Rachel, Gabby. Well, when I was writing who gave out the first rose and who gave out the last rose, it was the same person. And I was like, wait, did I miss somebody? So I went back to go rewatch it. And I was like, wait, no, I didn't miss somebody. So that means one of these leads had more roses than the other. And that was Rachel. And it didn't make any sense because they had the same number of men at the end. So I was trying to figure out all the math around it. That rose ceremony, though, definitely seemed very planned that production, not necessarily the leads, mm -hmm. knew that two of the men were 
that Rachel had chosen. Like she was like, I want these guys. Yeah. They didn't want her. So they set it up so that they would get those back-to-back roses for it to be really embarrassing. That's my opinion. Obviously, I don't I don't know anybody who works behind the scenes, so I don't know this for sure. But the way that the rose ceremony was set up and from everything that we've heard from previous contestants that these producers know everything that they're yeah. thinking, everything like they are constantly talking to them all day. We've heard about how sometimes they won't let them go to sleep and they'll be exhausted. They'll withhold food from them until they get all of these interviews done. Um, I have a hard time believing that that was just by pure coincidence Mm -hmm. and that Rachel actually wanted to take more guys than Gabby. Just, it seemed a little sus. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, we've even heard like behind the scenes things when leads are really early on in a season and they can't necessarily remember everybody's name. And I don't know if they just do this at the beginning or if they actually do it like throughout the entire season where they'll say two or three names, they'll walk out the room, they will converse with producers and then they'll come back and they'll say another two or three names. So very interesting. I definitely agree with you on that. I think the producers had to have known, which like just makes it so much worse. I get it. They're producing a TV show. Like they have to have a dramatic moment, but like, my God, sometimes they're ruthless. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you look back though, and thinking back to all the seasons of The Bachelor and Bachelorette, we have had some fantastic television, but unfortunately it's either at the expense of the leads Mm -hmm. or at the expense of the contestants. And I think, I think watching reality television is, has really changed over the last few years with the pandemic, with Gosh, just general empathy for the people that were watching on TV and realizing that they're humans mm-hmm. um, and people speaking out more about what goes on behind the scenes. I think that that's becoming more mainstream and it's kind of changing how we're watching the show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of contestants, we finally got a villain this week in Hayden. And I saw a post that you did about how long villains typically last on the show. Have we ever seen a villain emerge and then be sent home in the same episode? So it's kind of a split. So some of the contestants have that are villains, they have this really long story arc. And it's Mm. typically because either the drama started early in the house and nobody was the whistleblower that went to the lead to tell them, Mm -hmm. um, or the lead was really into them, like Luke P on Hannah Brown's season. Um, But we do have some of these villains and some seasons have more memorable villains than others. I think a lot of people already forgot about Chris who became the villain and was let go early on in this season. I think it was Mm -hmm. episode two. Oh yeah. I totally. Gabby and Rachel were just like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's, it's really more like, will we actually remember Chris, which we won't because I didn't even remember it. And we're only four episodes. in. Yeah. The earlier villains, there's typically one like instigator early on in the house. And then there's a villain that kind of has a larger story arc. And Hayden's going to be one that we remember, not because he was a villain the last few episodes, but because of other storylines around him. Yeah. So it really has to do with the editing and how it plays in. And then also if the lead actually likes them, because if you look at Nick Vial, he's the best example. People these days are like, he was a villain. Like yep. literally it was all over my post. And I'm like, does nobody remember how much him and Sean hated each other? Like, Oh yeah. This was, I was actually Caitlin's season that they had the men be in the same house after hometowns. Like that was the first time we saw it because they had so much hate towards each other. Mm -hmm. And Nick got the worst edit 
And we didn't know at the time, but Sean ended up winning. So I think a lot of people forget because also they go on to paradise or they become very likable on social media afterwards. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, Nick kind of got his redemption arc on a season of paradise, right? And then became The Bachelor. Yeah. And now, I mean, I don't want to say everybody loves him because everybody definitely doesn't love him. I'll keep my opinions to myself and we'll keep it cute and we'll keep it tight. Okay. I have this comment and I think everybody was asking this question after this week's episode. Do we know how many times Gabby said yeah during her days? (laughs) Okay. So when it comes to the word counts, if you haven't seen my post, I do a word count analysis every week. So it's everything from the word like, because everybody's like, everybody's like yeah (laughs) they say like so much to words like right reasons or truly or amazing or just words that we hear a lot jokes about yeah like take a shot every time you hear this um but so basically what i do is i export the closed captioning from one of the streaming services and if you've ever watched closed captioning it's never associated with the person it's never like gabby rachel gabby rachel like it doesn't say the people's names So basically what I've done is I went and I did a count of how many times the word yeah has been used because Rachel's not the only one saying yeah. And whenever you hear a contestant that says like a lot, they are not the only contestant saying like a lot. Um, So basically I took that count and I compared it to previous seasons and it's pretty equal. So it's really not more. I just think people are noticing it more because (laughs) it's her way of validating people whenever they're they're talking to her it's something that we're just noticing that she says a lot because she doesn't say anything else to validate people and i am physically having to restrain myself from saying yeah to everything that you're saying right now so truly i feel like we all do it so let's cut uh gabby some slack there okay Here is the moment I think we've all been waiting for, screen time for potential winners. Obviously, no spoilers over here, but I feel like it's very, very clear kind of who the front runners are. I don't want to tell you who I think they are because I want to see if I'm right. We'll circle back to it at the end. Um, But so far, who, who is having the most screen time for Gabby when it comes to her men? Okay, so right now, the people with the most screen time are Nate, Logan, I mean, Logan, we could say is Gabby or Rachel, because we have no idea how next week is going to pan out. Um, Zach is one of Rachel's men. Uh, Eric is one of Gabby's men. And then we have Tino, Hayden, um, Jason. And then we actually have Jordan V, who went home the second week and still has a ton of screen time. Um, So, yeah, so those are our people with the most screen time. Okay, so is there ever a correlation with whoever is getting the most screen time early is maybe let's just do the final four? No. (laughs) Really? So screen time, everybody always asks that, like, I get so many DMs where people are like, can you send me all of your data? Because I want to run a predictive model. Um, And I'm like, I can tell you what the answer is. So every week, the people who get the most screen time are first off, the people who get the one-on-one dates, because Mm -hmm. naturally you're going to get more screen time because you're the only person on the screen for anywhere from eight to 15 minutes. Right. And then, then it comes into the next piece, which is, is there some type of villain or big storyline that's happening outside of the one-on-one dates? So in this case, this last week, it was Hayden. We also had Chris in the previous weeks. Um, And then the last factor is, 
who are the go-to people that production uses as the commentators? So it's the, whenever there's drama in the house, who are, like, Nate is the big one this season. They are always cutting to Nate. He is the best narrator for what's going on in the house, what's going on on the dates. They're always cutting to him. So it's kind of those three factors every season. Um, And what we actually see on the one-on-one date piece is that the winners on The Bachelorette only, this is different on The Bachelor. The winners on The Bachelorette typically get their first date between weeks four and five. So if you're not final two, typically you're not going to start to get a ton of screen time added up until around this time in the season. So screen time is actually a horrible indicator of if you're going to make it far. Because if you look right now, I mean, if you look at the top 10 people, we have Hayden, James V or Jordan V and Chris are all the people who have had the most screen time this season, but they're, they're gone. All gone. Right. So it really has to do with those three factors. Um, what I have seen more is the biggest indicator is screen time plus who we've seen kissing the lead on camera, not in press pictures, not on Instagram, but who production intentionally is showing us weekly having a romantic connection with the lead. Okay, so if you had to do a final rose prediction for both ladies, based on all of your knowledge, who would it be? Oh, gosh. I, this is a hard one for me to do because I'm spoiled. Um, I have oh, to be no. spoiled every okay, season. Let's do, um, let's do, is top three too hard for you to think of six guys? It's so no, difficult that there's two of them. No, th- this one's actually an easy one. So okay. I, a big one that I would I would choose is the who's had the most kisses. So for Gabby, I would say Eric and Nate are two very possible in like possible people. Um, and that's really it for Gabby. We haven't seen anybody else have more than one kiss with her, like aside outside of episodes. So after Eric and Nate, as far as Gabby's men, we've only seen Jason and Johnny kiss her once. And Mario and Spencer kiss her once. Hmm, so, um, and then, it, but Rachel is an easier indicator. So right now I'm going to say Tino. He's had three episodes that we've seen him kissing Rachel. Tyler, we've also had him see, seen him three times. And Zach, we've seen him twice. Okay, my final rose prediction. And don't tell me if I'm right or wrong, but we will have a conversation after the final rose is given out. Cause I think it's going to be Eric for Gabby. I think their personalities are so similar. They just get along so well. And then Tino for Rachel, I feel like he's already head over heels for her. I feel like she is the same way and there you go. Put it on the books. I feel like I can bet on it now that I have all the data to back me up. (laughs) Well, the good news is too about spoilers right now. There are no spoilers for who wins. It's just final four. So I actually have no idea who wins. Um, And I'm not going to lie. It's actually kind of fun to watch the season. It makes me feel a little bit more like a detective. I agree too, because I normally am spoiled. I just love to know how things end and then kind of see the story arc, you know, like it's just the way my brain works. But for the first time in a very long time, I have promised myself to remain unspoiled. This is the closest I'm getting to spoilers is talking to you about screen time and kisses. That is that takes a lot of self-control. <laughs> <laughs> well, Susanna, thank you so much for joining MPT this week. Please tell all of my lovely listeners where we can find you online. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter under Bachelor Data. Thank you. Okay, to wrap up this week's episode, we're doing a wellness check on Keith. 
Kim and Pete. I said I wasn't going to refer to them as Kim and Pete, but now it's the last time. They're Keith. If you don't know, ask me in like the Instagram DMs and I'll tell you. But it's been a while since we've heard anything from our favorite publicity stunt, Keith. They're doing long distance right now. Pete is doing a movie in Australia called Wizards with an exclamation point at the end. Despite the many miles between the couple, a source close to Kim has told E! News that their relationship has remained unaffected. So here's what the bloggy blogs are saying about Kim and Pete doing long distance. This is from Enos. The distance hasn't been an issue for Kim and Pete's relationship while he's been away filming. They are still going strong and making it work. When they are apart, they are in constant communication. Um, They FaceTime consistently and are always getting quick phone calls in when they can. Then you go over to Us Weekly and they say kind of the same thing but a little bit different. Kim and Pete are in constant communication. The source also says time zones and filming call times make talking difficult. I looked it up. LA to Australia, a 17-hour time difference. Whoa. Okay, I had a five-hour time difference. The biggest time difference David and I have ever had is when he was in South Africa for a hot second, and that was seven hours. And even that is really difficult because even if you want to talk, like – You just can't stop your everyday daily life, your work schedule, your sleep schedule to like answer a phone call. Maybe it's puppy love here and Kim doesn't mind waking up at 2 a.m. to answer a FaceTime call from Pete. But 17 hours on on like a movie set seems a little hectic. But the source tells Us Weekly they send each other love notes while the other is sleeping and FaceTime whenever their schedules link up. The distance has been hard, but even communicating long distance is exciting for them. So that is very cute. I'm glad that they're doing okay. Um, Who knows when Pete's going to be back? I think Kim did go to Australia for a hot second. And this is where a Kimye conspiracy has been created. Kim this week posted a photo on her Instagram grid of herself in an ocean. What I appear, or I don't want to say what I appear. Sorry, I'm looking it up right now. This to me looks like it's in Australia, but I don't know if that's when she took these. Um, But she's wearing a shirt that says The Incredibles. Okay. Some people don't think anything of it. Other Kanye fans dug up an old interview where Kanye was comparing Kim to um, the the mom on The Incredibles. I don't know. I haven't seen The Incredibles, so I don't know. But saying like, you know, they're going to take over the world. They're going to fly because they're The Incredibles. And this wasn't that long ago. This was like the very last season of Keeping Up, I want to say. Um, and so people are like, this is a this is a hint that Kim and Pete was just a PR stunt and that Kim and Kanye are going to announce they're getting back together. And the whole thing was just a setup. If that is true, I don't think that it is. But if it is true, that will be the greatest bamboozlement of all time. And I kind of want it to happen. Like, imagine they pulled that one over on us all. That Kim and Kanye got together and she gave us a hint by posting a picture of her in the middle of the ocean with a shirt that says the Incredibles on it. Crazier things have happened. Chloe's having a baby with Tristan again. So there you have it. 
Okay. Thank you so much again for joining another week on MPT. I hope you loved it. I loved it. I always do. If you love it, if you love the pod, please give us a rating, a little five-star boop, boop, takes 0.2 seconds, and then you're crystal clear and out of here. If you want to leave some nice words, it always makes my day. Maybe I'll read some reviews next week. Maybe I won't. Who knows? It might be kind of crunchy, but we'll decide in the moment. Okay. Thank you again. Before I start rambling on, I'm going to say goodbye and tell you that I love you like a sis. We'll see you next week. Huda Media Production.